0: Welcome to Chapter 3 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Rick Allen, CIO at Southern Regional Medical Center. In this segment, Allen talks about leveraging Emory Healthcare's resources to improve population health, the dramatic change he was part of during his 12 years at Gwinnett, and his advice for those who are taking on the role of new CIO. You briefly had mentioned um, population health before. Um, what, what are you doing there or what are you looking at uh, being able to do on that front?
1: You know, I, I think the, the first thing is just be, being, able, being able to access the information for, to, to understand what the populations look like. We're, okay. feeding, we're feeding all of our information to Emory for them to be able to, manage, to help us manage and help give us access to information that we can't necessarily get to easily in the system that, the systems that we have. You know, they're, they're a big Cerner shop and they've got the Cerner uh, Population Management System in place and the Cerner HIE and they're rolling everything up there so they're able to access information much easier than than what we can do from here because for us to do it, it's someone sitting down and writing reports and, and working through the, the data repository in Meditech to write reports and it's picking, you know, it's hunt and peck to work our way through just because we don't have that level of expertise on staff. Right. Where they have systems and have those in place. Yeah. So and then you know the, the big push is the same big push that everybody's got. It's around it's around CHF. It's around diabetes. You know diabetes. It's around those things. Yeah. Okay. We're also working with uh, the county that we support. We support Clayton County, Georgia. Um, we're also working with the EMS in the county on a paramedicine project, where you know we're we're pulling. They're pulling information from their system. We're pulling information from our systems to get the frequent flyers into the ER, okay. the people that are calling EMS to get transport to the ER and then are doing it regularly to mm-hmm. see if we can work out some way to visit them in their homes and keep them in their homes.
0: Okay. i just seen something on that recently. Um, because I, Otherwise, I would have never heard the, the term paramedicine, but that's um, – Obviously, something that makes a lot of sense for uh, you know when when you're a hospital like yours and having to reduce those uh, the readmissions.
1: Right. Well, and, and our readmission rate isn't great, and you know a lot of it is that it's a it's a it's a very poor market. You know, we've got actually I've got the article they had in the paper. I can tell you, we've got um, percent of residents below the poverty line. Twenty four percent of the twenty four percent of the the um, county residents. Live below the poverty line, oh, wow. so they're they're not med compliant. They're not treatment compliant. They're not following up with you know with their primary care physician on discharge or anything else
0: because
1: mm-hmm. they just can't. Right, right. So we send them home. You know, two weeks later they're back. Yeah. You know, four weeks after that they're back. It's one of those that you know it, it tends to be turnover because they're just they don't have the ability to take care of themselves the way that we would like for them to. So working with working with Clayton County EMS. And, you know, they, they, I believe they got a grant from Kaiser that they're going to use to buy the, we'll call it an ambulance, to be able to go out and then we'll help staff and work with them on it, to be able to go out and visit and send social workers and send nurses and send the paramedic out to their houses to help make sure that they're med compliant help make sure that they're eating the way that they should and they're doing the things that they should.
0: Right. That's one of those great examples where, you know, you, you can't treat uh, every patient population the same. And, you know, when you talk about uh, um, patient engagement and things like that, there's just no one-size-fits-all, and then that's a perfect example, having population. Know, oh, exactly. The, the population.
1: Well, so, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of research and, and looking at personal health records, you know, the chart spans and the things like that of the world, that you keep all of your information on your phone or on your tablet, so that when you show up and, you know, you go to another ER somewhere, they can pull up all of your information. You can send everything to another doctor. But, you know, you, you carry all of your health information with you. Right. It's great. It's super cool. Tech- you know, being the technology guy that I come out of, it, it's super cool technology to be able to put in place. It doesn't, it doesn't fit our demographic. It doesn't fit the people that we're serving. Right. So while I'd love to put something like that in place and start chasing down it, I just can't make that a priority.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, I met with, um, I guess it was the Meditech people, the, the Meditech sales reps that I met with a few weeks back, and they were talking about now with their portal, in, in their patient portal, we can actually import wearable data and have it stored in the patient portal. Okay. It's another yeah. one of those great ideas. Yeah. Right. But it doesn't fit our patient population. Right. Because they're just not they're just not big wearers of of. Fitbits or something.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that that's um, a lot of people are having challenges with some of the, uh, the the patient engagement requirements. Even when it comes down to things like you know broadband, it's just uh, it's not the same everywhere.
1: Right. Well, and that, that's that's at least the upside of being in the Atlanta Metro. I, I don't have to I don't struggle as much with with broadband or wireless coverage or you know four G coverage around as. A rural hospital would have to fight the You know, the, I don't have to fight those battles.
0: Right, it's just a different battle. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, so you talked about being at Gwinnett Medical Center for for twelve years, yeah. and um, that's a, that's a big chunk of time. And I, I would think that that's just based on <laughs> how oh, very it was much everywhere. So. Yeah. Very
1: much so. Um, we were we were very much a McKesson partner through that whole thing. We were the mm-hmm. development site or one of the two development sites for the Horizon ERM, you know, the revenue cycle side of the Horizon platform. Right. So, you know, we worked with McKesson. We had developers on site working with us building, you know, they, they leased space in a strip mall right across from the hospital um, and put people there to help make sure that it got built and then it got implemented and brought up. So... We went from running a system, you know, we skipped whole generations because we went from running a system that was written in the, I'll call it the 70s, 80s, to being the development site for for the New new Horizon um, Revenue Cycle side and then bringing up all Horizon clinicals. Right. We took an IT department that was in the, I'm going to call it in the 30 range, including the shadow IT, but isn't that 30 range? We grew it to 100 and... About 120 people. Oh, wow. And that's another one. You know, like we talked about Ed Marks before, my boss there, his name is Ed Brown. I guess Ed's one of those good names to have if you're a CIO. Um, you know, I, I learned a lot from him. And a lot of the reason I stayed for as long as I did was I, I learned a lot from him and I had allegiance to him of working with him and, and you know, trying to, trying to get everything from him that I possibly could on how to be a CIO and how to be a CIO the right way. Yeah. And it just right. so happened that we got to go through some really fun growth and do some really fun things. You know, you don't necessarily change out a revenue cycle system that often, but we did. And not only did we change it once, we changed it twice, because when McKesson killed the, the Horizon product, we had to convert back to STAR.
0: Right. Oh, so it went
1: okay. through all of that. So, you know, we, we converted revenue cycles twice. We converted clinicals once. We brought up all the clinical pieces. Went from all film to a online pack system. I mean, we just, you know, it, it's... It was just—it was a great learning experience, yeah. and it opened me up to healthcare in ways that I never would have ever thought. You know, I worked my way through college in healthcare and banking, and you just never had in banking—you never had access to the business and understanding the impacts of the business, the way yeah. that I've the way that I've had since I've been in healthcare.
0: Now, in terms of uh, you know all that change taking place, was there anything that you kind of? Um, Maybe some lessons learned about uh, you know change management and uh, introducing all this change to to uh, an IT department.
1: Well, that, that's that's a lot you know, and we talked earlier about that too of being of learning yeah. to phase things through, yeah. and learning to to you know one of the things that Ed Brown taught me quite a bit was the ability of the organization to absorb change. Yeah right and And it's working around that culture and not trying to just because i'm I'm a little more hard driving type person than he, what he is, and he you know he helped moderate me and make make me understand I can't just because we have it ready just because we think it's neat or it's something that we know that has to be done, I can't shove that into the organization and make them do it because right. they're just not ready to be there yet, yeah, so we held off on clinicals like when we were there when we were doing horizon clinicals we we held off on the horizon clinical side until we finished the revenue cycle because we knew that the organization and the IT department both wouldn't be successful trying to do both projects at the same time. Right. We moved clinical informatics out of IT into nursing to make sure that, the, that there was nursing ownership when we started going live with clinicals. Yeah. That now has moved back in as part of IT, but through the whole go-live process and the build process, it made sense for nursing ownership.
0: Right. So that's something else I, I can uh, imagine, you know, um, being uh, willing to make these tough decisions. That that's something that interesting to, to see happen and, and be part of. Exactly. Okay. So now um, prior to Gwinnett Medical Center, where were you?
1: At Wellstar. Okay. Which another health system here in the Atlanta metro area. So Wellstar basically owns the northwest chunk of Atlanta. Right, they they've got five hospitals out that way, and they just own that whole section of town. Nobody even tries to play. Gwinnett owns Gwinnett County, um, which is on the northeast side, and then there's the middle in between that is kind of up for everybody to fight at. Um, So, you know, I stayed on the north side, and this is really my being here at Southern Regional is my first real foray on the south side of Atlanta.
0: Okay, wow, so much interesting stuff, and. I guess uh, just the last thing I wanted to ask about was, um, you know, having gone through the experience, you did at Gwinnett and, and now, just if there's any kind of uh, ad- advice you have for for people who are new to the CIO role, especially you know during this time, and um, uh, maybe for how to, you know, for how to how to deal with uh, so many priorities, or uh, just any any advice in general you might have that that uh, you, you think would, would be helpful or would have been helpful for you.
1: Uh, the, the things that I would tell people is one is don't be the te- don't be a technology guy, be a people person you know for a CIO you need to be out with the rest of the management team you don't need to, you know you don't don't lock yourself into the i t department and work in a vacuum
0: yeah
1: get out, build relationships under you know understand the temperature of the organization, what everybody's going through, and what the pain points are. Yeah. Right. It, uh, one of the first things I did on coming on board is I I set a, I set myself a meeting with every director in the organization, and I spent I spent an hour with each director, walking through what they what they were doing, what their pain points were, what I what they felt I should make my priorities, to try to get that type of information to, uh, walking in. I think the you know just go getting out and working with the departments as opposed to sitting back in IT is huge. Yeah. On the other side, don't forget the IT department. You know, they've just, got a, they've just got a new boss. You know, you come in as a new CIO, you're the new person in. They all know each other. None of them know you. Yeah. You have, to, you have to get in front of them. You have to spend time with them. You have to build those relationships also. So truly for a new CIO coming in, it's all about interacting with people. The strategy will come, the projects will present themselves, and you'll be able to prioritize them. And sometimes you're going to guess wrong, but for the most part, you'll know what the important things are, and you'll know what the organization can handle.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting to hear you say that, because that's something that, that I, I think has really changed in the past couple of years.
1: Uh, very or much at least so.
0: Maybe <laughs> with more awareness. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I think I think what you what you're finding is you're getting more and more people into senior, you know, into senior IT management roles that that don't see themselves as a strict technologist, that don't see themselves as a strict, you know, programmer, which is that's what if you think back 10 years, the CIOs and the heads of IT in a lot of organizations were just the PC tech guys from the 80s and 90s that happened to stick around long enough. Yeah. You know, now what you're finding is you're getting people into the roles that Groom themselves to become a CIO, and they and they understand, they understand relationships and they understand communication. And they understand all the things that it takes to be successful in the role and to have a successful IT department.
0: Yeah, it's really that's very really interesting uh, evolution that's taken place. Okay, um, well I know we've uh, we've covered a lot. Um, that's. That's, most of, that's basically what I wanted to talk about. I'm sure I could talk to you more, but you've got a couple things going on, so I figure I should let you go.
1: No problem. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much. And um, If you have I, any uh, follow-ups
1: I, or any questions, let me know.
0: Okay, I will. And, uh, and, and even if not, I'd like to get in touch with you a little down the road and just check in and see how things are going. That'd be great. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Rick. I've enjoyed speaking with you, and uh, I'll talk to you again. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.